Building passive income and wealth through real estate is sponsored by our company, Perpetual Wealth Capital, where we help everyday people just like you build generational wealth and cash flow by passively investing in the very best multifamily opportunities. Download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow Through Multifamily Real Estate by either clicking the link in the show notes or visiting thedefinitiveguidebook.com. Hey investors, welcome to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with Steph Baldrini of Monte Carlo Real Estate. Now, Steph is an expert in investing in commercial real estate, ranging from retail, self-storage, and even car washes. She's been investing in real estate full-time for over three years now and has since been able to achieve a consistent 36% cash-on-cash return for her and her investors. Steph not only grows her investors' wealth through strategic investments, but also hosts the industry-leading podcast, Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, where she teaches her listeners everything they need to know about being successful investing in commercial real estate. Steph, we are so excited to have you here, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. Excited to be here. So to start off, just tell us about your background. You have an amazing story, your background and your investing history. Sure. Originally from Brazil and uh, was blessed enough to come to Silicon Valley uh, when I was 18. Started my career here in tech sales. So easy to get in tech when you live here, right? (laughs) (laughs) And came into real estate after I was trying to look into angel investing. It was very clear that angel investment is a lot less powerful than real estate for many, many reasons. And I was dating a real estate investor at the time and um, decided to learn as much as possible. And (laughs) that's how it all got started. So did you start off kind of in the commercial space or did you, most people have the journey of maybe they buy a home or two homes and then they buy a duplex and then they grow from there. Did you start off in commercial or what was that very beginning like for you? I did just because my mentor was in the retail space. And so that's what I learned. And I also did not want to deal with people <laughs> and rent and their grandma dying for the third time because that's why they cannot pay rent. So I decided to go into the commercial side and funny enough, ended up buying two short-term rentals recently, which is like the complete opposite of the peacefulness <laughs> of commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, most people do it the other way, but you dove in headfirst to a uh, commercial rather. Exactly. Um, so now that you have a little bit of experience in both, is it, are you glad that you predominantly do commercial or is short-term rentals what you thought it was, or is it something that you're going to continue doing? What are the pros and cons that you're seeing comparing the two? Yeah, it is more moving parts, but one of the commercials that I ended up falling into was car washes, which is a lot more moving parts than I think probably any asset class (laughs) out there. And so I think it's whatever works for you. If it just makes more sense for you to learn by doing residential first, by all means, go for it. If you want to go straight to commercial I always tell people you should start being a broker in the commercial side because that's what you're going to learn so much with leases and buying, selling. You're going to be seeing deals as a commercial broker. So there are so many ways that you can get started. But yeah, I think commercial is definitely for me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about, you kind of brushed over car washes, like it's a super common investment strategy, but it was pretty unique. 
when I read that on your website, I was really taken back because really I haven't heard of that being a specific strategy. So tell us about that. I know there's a lot of moving parts and there's probably a lot more staffing and things like that. What's it like investing in car washes? What are the pros and what are the cons? Okay. So the only pro is the money. So if money is a priority, <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> con is that it is a lot of work. So right now I'm in the process of delegating as much as possible, but it's really very much so ton of moving parts, people coming in and out, problems happening on a daily basis. You're dealing with a certain level of employees that I wasn't used to. And so just try to be as creative as you can imagine all the problems that can be get even more creative, <laughs> like Absolutely. things that you would have never thought about can happen, <laughs> but so, so it's all say- manageable. Yeah, absolutely. And for the right price, right? It is what it is. <laughs> the payoff is usually more for more moving parts and things like that. So is it the biggest challenge with it? Is it staffing like the actual employees to work the car wash? Is it the financing aspect of it? Tell me about some of the challenges there. I know there's a lot of moving parts, but when it comes to certain asset classes, right? Like with residential turnovers tend to be your highest kind of cost and biggest headache with retail. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I've misheard, but I hear leasing is kind of the most difficult part. So what is the car wash, the biggest crux in that kind of industry that you wish could be fixed? Yeah, I would say staffing, although you can somewhat easily fix that. You can pay people more than the industry is paying to get higher quality employees. But yeah, things break every day. People try to steal it, steal the coins. And there are employee issues once in a while, and they don't tell you things that are happening when they should be telling you. So you really have to be on top of your game yeah. and also have people there to help you out in any level, be it from plumbing to electrician to anything in between. Yeah. Is it fair to say that it would be pretty difficult to invest in a car wash kind of remotely? Like how often are you there at the properties daily, weekly? Do you just read reports mostly and delegate to a manager? What's that like? Yeah, I've been there three times in the last year. And the goal is to hopefully once a year, but next year, it'll be probably twice. And then hopefully once after that. So Thank God for technology. We can see every coin that comes in. We have cameras everywhere. We have an alarm system that shows us when someone is in and out of the property, maintaining it or not. And everything in between, I have VAs helping out. So it's a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it's one of those things that until you really get into it, you don't realize that there's a whole sector of people who serve specifically you, just the you know the car wash owners and investors. So that's fantastic. What type of things have really helped you take a step back for some of the investors that are maybe looking at car washes now and that's on their radar? Is there different management systems that you're using? Were you able to use a lot of your, I guess, infrastructure from the retail side and your other properties and plug it in? Or is it totally brand new with totally new systems and products and technology? Most of those systems are new, except the credit card system, which is specific to car washes. What I recommend people doing if they want to get started is to first go to a couple of conferences, get to meet as many people as possible, talk to every single vendor, find out who are the best vendors, who is the best credit card vendor. And then you'll be way more prepared than I was when you get into it and you can reach out to a lot more people when you run into a problem, which is going to happen. 
weekly or daily. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Especially with kind of a more niche asset class where we're having that network is going to be important than that. It's hard to find people that are experts there as opposed to maybe single family. There's a lot of people yeah. who do a lot of single family. So definitely multifamily. Really, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Multifamily, single family, which are just definitely more popular. So tell me about the car washes versus it sounds like retail is kind of the next thing in your portfolio that's the most significant. Now that you have a little bit of experience with the car washes. What's it like in your opinion? Would you do more retail instead? Give me kind of the balance that you're looking to strike and why. For me, it's really all about the numbers. So whatever makes sense at the time, and we hear different advices on this subject, you should either focus or also diversify and change with the time. So for us, it's really what is happening and where are people going? And what are some behaviors that are changing over time that would be long-term successful for real estate investors? Got it. And I'm going to relate it to what I know best, which is multifamily. So we look a lot at like job migration. So like, hey, what mm-hmm. cities or what counties are getting the future jobs and what's that employment doing the deployment to drive demand? Are you talking about metrics like that, that you look for that are probably a little bit different in the retail and car washing space? Is that what you mean by saying the future, where people are going or what's happening kind of in the market? What kind of metrics are you looking at to determine when you're going to get into different asset classes? No, that's a great question. So yeah, definitely the geographical metrics are very, very important, but also I try to use my gut as much as possible as well. Like, are people going back to office nowadays or not? Initially, I thought they were, but now it's been a year and a half that they have not gone back. So I think people are getting more and more used to it and more and more companies are adopting. The longer we stay here, the more companies are going to adopt either hybrid or fully remote workforce. So what is that going to look like? So those are the things that I try to observe, talk to people and try to have my crystal ball tell me what the future will look like. (laughs) Absolutely. You talk about leveraging your network to sounds like maybe brainstorm some things too. Hey, what do we feel is going on in office? What are the data telling us? What are some of your favorite sources besides your personal network that maybe some listeners can go on too? Do you have certain websites or influencers or places where you look up information like this? Or is it mostly in the network that you've built up to this point? So where I live in San Francisco, I try to talk to everybody that I can. Hey, are you guys going back to the office? What's happening? Is it going to be full-time or not? And then everybody has a different answer. And I talk to brokers. Brokers are more obviously optimistic about everybody going back. But also, what are they seeing? Are they really seeing companies subleasing other office space or not? And yeah, so all of these things, mainly network, reading a lot of articles and working on the numbers. I love what you said about essentially having multiple sources and seeing what the story is. Because if you ask one broker who's leasing office space, of course, you can say, no, no, office is coming back big. And then if you take (laughs) that and run with it, who knows if that information was good or bad. And maybe that person really does believe that office is coming back big, but okay. now maybe if you've asked 20 brokers and 18 say one thing, okay, well, that's a pretty good trend. And then you read some articles and those articles say the same thing. It's really about layering that information because it is so hard to really get a hundred percent answer. We say it a lot that investing is an art as well. You need to be able to tell the story and really be able to layer these things to make intelligent decisions. So when it came to 
stepping into the car washes from the retail space, what kind of metrics were driving you to get more interested in there? So the cash flow, of course, a big one, but were there other things or patterns or other data points that really drove you there? From the car wash perspective, as I was in contract, I started learning all of the value add possibilities for car washes. So you want to look at the ones that are today coin operated so that you can install credit card machines and the total dollar value increases just by having credit card machines installed. You can have subscriptions. You can add a pet wash, snow cones, rent to a snow cone vendor, part of the land. So there are really quite a few ways to add value. And those were the trends I was looking for. And then also luckily ended up buying these car washes in a place that snows, who would know (laughs) that it snows in north of Texas. Uh, (laughs) And so people have to wash their cars a lot when it snows and they love their trucks. They love to wash it. And I don't think Uber will take over that area anytime soon. The geography was really important looking at. So weather, it sounds like it has a huge impact. So you're looking for, it sounds like snow and rain and things like that to kind of impact where you're going to go for the next car wash deal. I would say more on the, how can I add value by increasing revenue or decreasing costs today? Because whatever it is that particular car wash is bringing, that's that base level. Yeah. So if it's snowing there or not, that's the income that is bringing in. So that's what I'm looking for. So when we look at multifamily, generally we're pricing your net income over a certain cap rate. So yeah. does car washing have the same kind of formula? Is there an industry yeah. average? Is it different based on geography or is it kind of the same across the board? What's it like underwriting a car wash? Yeah, it's very similar to multifamily or any other asset class. The cap rates are higher in car washes because they do take longer. They're not as popular. They take longer to sell. So that's another quote unquote uh, value add, right? In terms of cash on cash, what you have in hands at the end of the day. And so it's just a matter of, are you interested in doing the work that comes with it? Absolutely. The question always comes up of how has COVID impacted these other investment strategies? We have a pretty firm grasp of how it's impacted multifamily and even office and some retail. When it comes to the car wash, was that kind of something you looked at was, hey, they performed better consistently or worse during COVID, which that drives Mm -hmm. the decision. How did the car wash investment niche get impacted by COVID? Believe it or not, it went up because people were bored at home and they were (laughs) washing their cars for fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, does that make it harder for people to get in now? Because that seems like it'd be something that would drive more investors to that space. Like with multifamily, we saw that because multifamily did so well during COVID compared Mm. to other classes, kind of drove a lot of people in this space. Did COVID make it now harder to break into car washes? No, not as far as I know. I still see pretty high cap rates out there. And if you see a car wash that has been for sale for a year or more, obviously you can still negotiate on top of that high cap rate. So there is a ton of opportunity. And I still hear until today, 
you're the first car wash person we're interviewing. <laughs> so <laughs> come on, guys, I need friends. Come on, yeah. <laughs> on the car wash world. <laughs> so when it comes to, I guess, the profile of most people who are selling them, because if they're having as much success as you are with 36% returns on their cash, I don't imagine a lot would be for sale for years or you know, year or more. So what's the, I guess, the seller profile look like? Are a lot of these mom and pops who just owned it for 20 years and they're retiring? Are they going on to different things? Or what do you see out there? Yep. Another great question, because there are a lot of people that are retiring today, not only in car washes and every single asset class. And they have been running their business in very old school way with almost no technology. So there are so many opportunities, in my opinion. Obviously, you need to look for it and find them and do your work there. But I do think there are going to be even more opportunities in the next years because these people are retiring and their kids do not want to deal with it. And so they will be selling. Yeah. And then somebody like you is going to come by and get a 36% cash on cash return for it. It's fantastic. (laughs) I'll take it. So tell us about your business, Monte Carlo Real Estate Investing. So Is that a traditional kind of syndication method? Do you invest in your own properties with other investors? Or what's it like to bring investors onto some of these assets? Yes, it will be soon. Right now, we just wanted to prove that we can do these things and show good returns. So, so far, it's been just our investments. And then eventually, we'll be doing syndications for whatever comes our way that makes really good sense for our investors. Got it. Okay. So you haven't done it yet, but it's going to be something that's coming soon. So people are out there and they're really cash flow oriented. That would be a great person to come by and learn more about car wash investing. Exactly. Got it. What is the typical, I guess, hold period for a car wash with such a high cash on cash return? You know, a lot of people, at least in the multifamily, and I keep bringing it back to multifamily because that's just what we know. <laughs> a lot of people are within that maybe five to seven year period. And then there's a sell or maybe there's a refinance. Are car washes more of that very long-term strategy? Is there kind of a sale or an appreciation aspect of it? Or what does kind of that investment strategy look like for somebody who's thinking about potentially investing in a car wash? I'm a believer of never selling real estate. And so (laughs) just refinance, get some cash out and buy some more properties. And worst case scenario, you can always redevelop that land into something else. If it ends up being in a really prominent area that there is even more upside in building a retail space there or a drive-through or anything like that. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of that opportunity with the land as well. And people sometimes see that with other asset classes that maybe are not as popular anymore. Motel conversions to multifamily are huge. So with the car wash, Mm. I, I know at least the ones that I've kind of are around my area are on pretty decent plots of land to allow the cars to drive through all of them, yeah. with all the machinery. And so really good opportunities. If you hold that land that you mm-hmm. can repurpose it or do other things, or like you said, have small areas for food vendors, a lot of ways to really boost returns there. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the play for the value add is really reliant on a lot of technology. So you talked about payment processing, having vendors there, what other types of things, and then putting in the right employees. Are those kind of the main aspects that you as an operator come in and need to be aware of? Also subscriptions. So you may have one, but a lot of people nowadays have a subscription to getting their car washed on a weekly basis, give and take. 
and also another technology you can add is accepting dollars instead of coins. <laughs> so dollar acceptor. High tech. High tech. <laughs> Very high tech. <laughs> but in some parts of the country, people really don't have credit cards. Surprising as it is, you just got to adapt to the market that you're in. And then some people, when they learn that you can tap your phone to it now yeah. and pay, it's going to exactly. totally change the game for them. It's going <laughs> to exactly. be mind blowing. So tell us as well about this podcast that you have. So I've listened to quite a few episodes. I love continued education. And if you're listening to this episode, I'm sure you do too. And you're looking to get into commercial real estate. So you talk about commercial real estate of a lot of facets, not just car washes. Tell us a little bit more about the podcast, kind of what your goal with it is and what listeners take away. Sure. So we focus on everything except residential. So no multifamily talk there, no <laughs> short term, no single family, only commercial. And we just try to break it down, not only simple terms that people use that even the people that use it might not know what exactly it means, all the way through strategies to invest and what are the pros and cons of all commercial asset classes and how to approach problems, which we all have. Absolutely. So another thing about the process of, because this is a whole, all a learning experience going through kind of the commercial So the podcast is a great way to do that. And I really love mm-hmm. you know, going back to your experience with the car washes, just because it's so unique. I'd love to mm-hmm. go back to something with underwriting those products. I know a couple of your episodes I've seen, you talk about like underwriting and due diligence and some things like that. When it comes to underwriting car wash, you do have the subscriptions and then you have, of course, the drop-ins. What kind of things should listeners be aware of if they're going to go look at a deal today? Are there going to be some different red flags or some things that they should know? Hey, a lot of times these figures are inflated or a lot of times these figures you can't trust. What does that look like in terms of the due diligence and the valuing of car washes? So yeah, I mean, you have to ask for the actual water bills for the last two years and the actual tax returns to get as close as possible to reality. And hopefully they're all telling the truth, but definitely look at where you'll be able to increase revenue and if there's a possibility to decrease costs. So for this one, for example, a very small example is they were paying for phone, actual landline. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how much, let's say $100 a month. And now we have a grasshopper account that we paid I think $300 for the entire year. And you can text customers, you can keep track of everything there. You can get employees to text you their timesheets and all of it. So it's really good way of just seeing what can you change there that will be cheaper than what they had before. Absolutely. And so again, talking about making your life easier as well. So you don't have to be Mm -hmm. there every single day. People can text you or text in any issues or problems. Your employees are right there. And Matt, you're just coming in and just revolutionizing the whole owner industry now with all the <laughs> apps and the technology. Tell us about one of your deals. It could be car wash or it could be retail, but tell us about one of the deals that you learned the most from and what listeners can take away from that experience. So this could be you know, your best deal ever, your worst deal ever, your first deal, anything that you think the listeners can get the most value from. I'll give a tip that recently happened when I was purchasing the last short-term rental. We were working with the same bank that we have been working before. And two days before closing, they said, oh, you know what? We're not comfortable with these numbers. We're not going to give you a loan. (laughs) When they were saying all along that everything was good to go. (laughs) 
And that was a very crazy morning. So my tip there would be to be actually approved with at least two banks and actually have that term sheet signed by both people in front of you a long time before closing. Did they say what was the reason that they, was it just uncomfortability? Was it because it was a short-term rental? Did they just no longer believe in the income potential? You know, what caused them to be uncomfortable at the last minute? Right. So it was in the city that the bank is in. So they did not know that there is a tourist demand in their own city because they're not tourists there. And so they were just comparing with a regular rent that you long-term rental. And they said, well, we don't think you can get this much for long-term rental. So I had to have a conversation with the president and explain everything to him. And we came to an agreement at a slightly higher rate, but it was literally just a misunderstanding. And I explained to him, this is where people go. (laughs) and It is actually a tourist destination, even though they had all these numbers already in front of them a long time ago. So I know there's a lot for the short-term rentals. There's a lot of software for owners, right? With patterns and, hey, this city rents have gone up by this amount. Was there a certain software that you brought and said, no, look, according to this over the last few years, this has happened. This is why I projected this. Was there software or data you were using? What sources were you using to be able to sway them? Because lenders are notorious for being stuck in their ways and difficult to sway. So extremely impressive that you were able to get them to bend your way. So how did you do that? Was there technology involved or was it more so getting to meet you face-to-face? So I had already sent them all the data from these websites, the software. So they already had that. It was really just a conversation and clarifying things. And because I had other loans with them, I said, if you guys do this to me, I am out (laughs) with all of my loans and all of our accounts. Like, that's it. This is not how you build a relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. That scale is important too. That's why, you know, we do like to go to the same lenders and the same brokers all the time and really build that because you will get favorable treatment, of course, and they know that you're there to perform and that you have the ability to follow through. So that's fantastic. I mean, thank you so much. We really, really liked having you on talking about your experiences. Definitely unique out there, which it's awesome. You're getting some amazing returns and building some incredible wealth for your future investors. Steph, for people who want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Reach out to me through my website, monicarlorei.com. I'm in all those social medias and also the podcast, which is not related to anything residential, uh, commercial real estate investing from A to Z. Commercial real estate investing from A to Z for anything non-residential, no multifamily, no single family, no short-term rentals, <laughs> montecarlorei.com. Get on the pre-list to start investing in some incredible cash-flowing car washes. And listeners, if you haven't already, head to thedefinitiveguidebook.com, download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Cash Flow. If you want to partner with us on future deals, perpetualwealthcapital.com slash partner, or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next episode.